Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Scott Luton here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. On today's show, we're going to be diving into the perspective of the now generation. We're going to be talking with a dynamic duo of students that are poised to do really big things in industry. Stay tuned for an extraordinary conversation. I'm joined today by a very special co-host, Dr. Travis Tokar, Professor of Supply Chain Management with the Neely School of Business at Texas Christian University. Dr. Tokar, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. You bet. Well, thanks for thanks for carving time out. You know, these are some of our favorite conversations. Not only do we get to spend time with members of the now generation that are already making their impact felt, but with folks that are really charged with uh, inspiring and helping them down their journey. Uh, in this case, at Texas Christian University. So, uh, thanks for your time here today. Absolutely. So, uh, all right. We're going to be introducing our guests in just a minute. And uh, listeners, uh, Travis here is kind of a pseudo co-host, right? Uh, he's going to be asking some of the questions. He's going to be answering some of the questions. But nevertheless, we're going to enjoy our conversation here. Um, so let's introduce our really the two stars of the show. I want to introduce Ann C. O'Connor, who's a senior at Texas Christian University, who will be graduating with a degree in supply chain and value management. Also, working towards a minor in global business and get this a certificate in consultative sales. Joining Ann will be Jacob Mutcher, a senior at TCU who's going to be graduating with a double major, supply chain and value management and business information systems. Let's welcome in Ann and Jacob. All right, Ann, Jacob, how are we doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having us. It is so wonderful. As I mentioned, these are some of my favorite conversations. Uh, I love a little bit of the passion that y'all both already kind of displayed in some of our warm up conversations and uh, looking forward to diving in a lot more. So uh, I want to start, though, uh, let's level set a little bit. And I want to ask each of y'all, including uh, my esteemed co-host, uh, Dr. Tokar, where are you from? Right. Where are you from? And give us a little, little bit of flavor, uh, a little anecdote maybe about your upbringing. So, Ann, let's start with you. Yeah, so I'm from Newport Beach, California, which is a beautiful city, a lot different than Texas. I grew up on the beach, loving the beach. And a little fun fact about Newport, it's actually headquartered um, Chipotle. Their headquarters is set there, which is pretty interesting for a small town. So I'm pretty good. It is. And, and give me uh, uh, one. So beyond Chipotle, what's one other food sure. dish that you grew up with would be an inseparable part of your upbringing? Um, this is pretty niche, but there's a French bakery <laughs> shop that's very local to where I'm from that was called Sacy Bone that everyone I knew in town would always go for, for coffee, pastries, sandwiches, Sacy Bone Bakery. That's what I grew oh, up man. on probably every single day I would have when I was in high school. Love it. And I bet really good coffee. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you for sharing Newport Beach, California. And okay, let's move around to Jacob. Jacob, where, what about you? Where'd you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in a small town called Midland, Michigan, which is about two hours north of Detroit, and it's really known for being headquarters for Dow Chemical Company. 
Okay. Uh, outstanding. Now, um, uh, you said two hours at two hours north of Detroit. Is that right? Yeah. So did you ever venture in? Maybe Detroit pizza is prevalent throughout Michigan. Is that is that the case? Yeah. There, one of my favorite pizza joints is called Jets Pizza, and it has really good Detroit-style pizza. And so didn't go to Detroit too often, but there is a lot of places around the state that have really good pizza. Man, I could eat pizza every day. Thank you, Jacob, for helping me ruin my diet today. Uh, but <laughs> love, I love these little anecdotes about where you're from, especially, of course, related to food. So welcome in, Jacob. And hey, Travis, you, you can't get out of the question. So let's let's learn where did you grow up and give us a little little flavor too. Oh man, I grew up a lot of places actually. Uh, my dad is an agriculture specialist. We moved around quite a bit, including uh, other other countries. But uh, we settled in Fayetteville, Arkansas, when I was about 15, and so that's very much home. And uh, to this day, actually, uh, my family still lives there, and love to get back and visit when I can. But uh, uh, yeah, it's an interesting place. You've got Walmart, JB Hunt, Tyson Foods, all headquartered up there. And I'm guessing, being part of the supply chain world, you've had many conversations with folks who've passed through that area. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a neat place. It really is. In fact, I was just sharing, we spent some time with, uh, Dr. Fugit, uh, and the university ah, of Arkansas, yeah. uh, there. So yeah. it is a, it is a really cool part of the country. Now, uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, what, you know, if I heard you right, you set up shop there when you were about 15 years old, what was yeah. one of your, uh, haunts or, or restaurant joints? What would you love as a kid? Oh, man. So we had moved to Fayetteville from California. So like Ann was saying, uh, Newport Beach, my grandparents uh, were in the Torrance area, Redondo Beach, and had spent some time there. And uh, when we moved to Fayetteville, uh, barbecue was kind of a new thing for us. I mean, there were a couple of barbecue places, but uh, never like true, you know, good Southern barbecue. And so I was just blown away. I just... Uh, uh, any any barbecue I could sink my teeth into anywhere up there was was going to be high on my my list, and uh, so yeah, it was a fun experience. I love that. Uh, I think we were separated at birth. I think we think a lot alike. I can tell by your answer there. Uh, so Travis, uh, Jacob, and Ann, great to have you here. Let's get kind of get down to business a little bit. Uh, I could talk about food for 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 way too long, but let's talk supply chain, of course. Uh, and Ann, I want to circle back to you. Um, you know, you're poised, you and Jacob both, uh, as we record this here today, you're graduating just around the corner. Uh, you're well-equipped with some incredible degrees. Um, you're going to be, you can be dangerous out there in industry. I love that. Uh, why supply chain for you? Yeah. So I chose supply chain because I really liked how it gave me access to all different like areas of the firm. And so you're not only just in one department all the time, you have your hands kind of in every aspect of the business and you get to see the product really follow through. So from manufacturing all the way to the customer and then now with the circular supply chain coming back to you. So I liked how I almost feel like I'm always on my toes instead of always just going to be stuck in one department. I could really move around within the supply chain or even within, let's say I'm in the procurement department, there's a lot of different things I can do. So I'm really excited the fact that I have a lot of exposure to the entire firm while still having that excitement of getting to do a lot of different things. What a great answer, Ann. Uh, you know, I, th I think of um, uh, systems level thinking comes to mind, right? And, and I think um, a lot of folks and a lot of uh, hiring managers and a lot of leaders would wish their people had a better sense of upstream and downstream, you know, mm -hmm. what takes place and Ann. I couldn't have said it better. Uh, you know, that's a great advantage of uh, being a supply chain expert and being a part of supply chain and lots of options with your career. So excellent mm -hmm. stuff there. Um, Jacob, same question to you. Why supply chain? Uh, 
Yeah, so I kind of interested in supply chain because it's both people oriented and there's also a lot of data involved with it, both of which are two of my passions and interests. So I kind of like the ability to talk and interact with people, but also back that up with a lot of data. And I also like the idea that you can work on a specific problem, but then step back and see the bigger picture. And so there it's just, there's a big breadth within supply chain. So there's a lot of different fields you can get yourself interested in. And so for me, it's interesting to see how that all interconnects and winds. And for me, it's a great way to explore different areas. And so if I find my niche or my specific area of supply chain, I like, I can dive more deeply into that. Love it. Uh, all right. So Travis, does this square with, with what you hear from other students and what would what, you hear Anne and Jacob both say? Yeah. Uh, what they shared is pretty common. Although, uh, what I get most, at least from freshmen, sophomores is well, what is supply chain? Most, uh, incoming <laughs> students have never heard of it. Uh, and by the time that they do, uh, it's uh, yeah, you see some light bulbs come on, kind of like Anne was just saying, you have a chance to see uh, all the different functional areas of the firm and how they come together. I mean, ultimately, companies exist to provide goods and services to their customers. Uh, you can't do that without the efforts of every functional area. Uh, and so what we do in supply chain is really uh, bring all those efforts and all that energy uh, to fruition in a sense. And so... Mm. Uh, yeah, it's one of our big selling points for students is uh, uh, the types of projects you get to work on. Uh, it's not just, uh, you know, uh, moving boxes or buying materials or whatever it is that people might conceive of initially. It is very cross-functional, uh, which means that uh, you're never bored. Uh, you'll always find something that fits your interests. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a great opportunity for uh, people looking to do something in business and uh, maybe don't know exactly where they want to fit in initially. Well said, well said. And, you know, hey, we're partial around here, but supply chain makes it happen. Uh, and it also <laughs> provides uh, these opportunities, you know, as Ann and Jacob both touched on the big picture, uh, which is always appealing, you know, to be part of the big picture and kind of understand the big picture, you know, people and problems and data, as, as Jacob also touched on. So uh, thank you. Thank all three of y'all for weighing in on why supply chain. Um, okay. So I want to switch, uh, uh, shift gears just a bit here. And so Anna, I'll circle back to you. If you, you know, as you survey global business, global supply chain right now, and you think about a topic or two or a trend or development, really your pick, what's a couple of things you're tracking more than others right now? Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things I've been looking into recently and seeing a lot of news on is omni-channel and the future of omni-channel and supply chain. And so, especially with the pandemic, the shift to like e-commerce and they call it like fidgetal, like distribution and shopping centers. And so I've been seeing a lot on that and how a lot of companies are moving toward maybe some pop-up fulfillment centers for the holiday season or pay and pick up curbside or the in last mile delivery um, improvements with drones. And so the whole omni-channel retailing sector, I thought has been really interesting. Another thing I've been kind of tracking with the Ukraine-Russia conflict too, is just like how that's disrupting some supply chains, especially in the agriculture industry. I was doing some research on it for a different class and I found out that Russia actually supplies a lot of um, this industry's agricultural products and like fertilizers and everything. And we're seeing some food shortages that are happening. And so that's going to have a great impact as the conflict goes on. So just seeing how, even though it's not happening on like the United States as well, how everything is impacting us internationally with that conflict as well. So those are two of the things I've most recently just been following. 
Man, uh, we could dedicate a six-hour show to both of those topics. Uh, and Travis, I'll get you to weigh in. Uh, one of my thoughts on the first topic that Ann shared, you know, it is truly amazing to see what retailers have done uh, over, over the last couple of years and, and rolled with the punch after punch after punch to try to meet consumers and, and uh, give them what they want, when they want it, and how they want it. So that uh, whole omni-channel uh, and digital transformation of supply chains has been fascinating. And then secondly, and, and um there's so much going on and a lot of heartbreak going on, of course, in Ukraine and beyond uh, due to Russia's actions. But, you know, I was reading just the other day uh, as uh, countries look to send artillery pieces, a wide variety of art artillery pieces to Ukraine, uh, the supply chain and logistics there. It, it is absolutely fascinating. Uh, so but Travis, weigh in on, on those two first uh, first two observations from Ann there. Yeah, the uh, e-commerce piece is uh, something that everyone's scrambling to figure out in one way, shape, or form uh, in retail specifically. But uh, yeah, I, I've been reading a lot about uh, the impact it's having on uh, real estate and warehousing, for example, and how firms are, are in effort to support their e-commerce goals and efforts, having to find uh, space for new facilities, uh, the costs associated with that. Uh, you, trying to plan out where these are supposed to go. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's interesting how uh, this transition in the way that people shop is driving all kinds of challenges uh, in the supply chain that most wouldn't think about initially. Uh, so that's been kind of interesting to see. Agreed. And, and, and of course, all four of us are consumers. Uh, I was sitting down and talking with some uh, industrial real estate folks the other day. And of course, that's a, an explosive market. But I, I, I read, I wish I could figure out who I could attribute it to. I was reading a, a Wall Street Journal piece about how some communities are pushing back on facilities coming into their neighborhood. Uh, but one of the pros in this article said that as consumers, we all want that product same day, next day, as long as it's being fulfilled by a town across the state or across the county or something. And I was yeah. like, you know, how true is that? We want our cake and eat it too. Um, yep. But nevertheless, uh, Travis, thank you for that. Let's circle back to Jacob. So Jacob, same question to you. You know, what, what's a couple of things you're tracking across global supply chain, much like Ann shared? Yeah, so one of the things I've been tracking is just-in-time shipping and how that's kind of changed due to the fact of COVID. Before COVID, a lot of companies and retailers were trying to streamline their business processes and hold the least amount of safety stock as possible. But COVID really disrupted that. As supply chains were disrupted, you saw a lot of stockouts, one notable is toilet paper. And so you kind of can see an industry shift almost carry more and more safety stock. And that's kind of also coupled with a second trend I've been looking at is over in California with the ports there and how there's actually a backup of cargo there, how there's irregular supply from China due to some of their COVID restrictions. And then more COVID restrictions and labor restrictions are causing plants and different ports to not actually fulfill as much cargo needs. So those two coupling are kind of, I'm seeing a shift almost to increase safety stock to help meet consumer needs as demand is more irregular along with supply. Interesting to kind of see how industry is almost shifting from just in time to a lot more safety stock. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to see how uh, members of the now generation, as you get in the industry, like uh, Jacob, you and Ann are going to change mm -hmm. that and, and change in some cases, some archaic approaches at how uh, global supply chain works. So it's gonna be really exciting to see. Uh, but Travis, uh, I bet my hunch, I don't know. Uh, and, and on one hand, toilet tissue is kind of the gift it keeps on giving because it really helped folks kind of kind of uh, better understand uh, supply chain a little bit. Uh, 
on the other hand, man, if I hear toilet tissue one more time, toilet paper one more time in a supply chain conversation, I'm going to lose my mind. But Travis, uh, what's your take there on what Jacob shared? Yeah, um, I, I think he's he's spot on in terms of the, 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 the question. This is something I've presented to my students several times now and, and told them this, this is job security for you guys going forward. So, so when I was in school uh, studying supply chain, uh, the, 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 the mantra was replace inventory with information. And uh, we were in the midst of uh, focusing on hyper efficiency, trying to drive cost out of the supply chain. And of course, inventory is cost. And the more you could replace that with uh, yeah, information systems to know where it is or to move it more effectively, uh, the less inventory you could get by with. Well, we've seen now, thanks to this uh, hopefully once in a lifetime experience of, of you know a major <laughs> catastrophe, there's not a lot of buffer in the system when things like that happen. And so you're seeing pushback and you're seeing companies begin to question, was that the right decision? Um, in, in some ways, well, yeah, it's what's responsible for the drop in consumer prices that we've seen over the decades. I mean, we all get lower and lower and lower prices on the stuff that we buy and use every day. However, yeah, when something happens, it disappears and it disappears fast. So what's the answer going forward? Do companies go back to that model that we spent decades trying to create? Or do we come up with something different that's got some buffer built in? Uh, how much should there be? Uh, you know, how long should we hold buffer before we go back? Or do we ever go back? There's just lots of questions right now. Uh, that uh, need answering. And uh, uh, yeah, that's, I think, what this generation is going to be tackling for the years to come. So Travis, very well said, very well said. And it's, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, the change that Jacob and Ann and other members of this now generation are going to be driving from the very first day uh, they step into their role. Um, you know, I, I should also mention uh, both Ann and Jacob have an interesting combination of, uh, of their degrees. So Ann, you know, supply chain, global business, and some consultative sales. Man, that's going to be a dangerous combination. And then on Jacob's side, as he mentioned, you know, supply chain, but that business information systems, uh, the data and and um, the IT technology there, that's also a powerful combination. So this is going to be really neat to see uh, where you both go from here. Um, all right. So Travis, we'll circle back to you. Uh, so as we were getting this conversation kind of teed up, uh, we were talking with Dr. Morgan Swink, one of your colleagues there uh, at mm -hmm. TCU, and he was telling me about a, uh, a trip he had planned. I think you and he and maybe other members, a TCU delegation perhaps, visited Iowa where you were having a lot of these conversations, probably touched on some of the things you just shared, where uh, mm -hmm. you were all facing a ton of change and challenges and, and then some across global supply chain. Can you talk to us a little bit about what took place? What, what was the event? And give us a yeah. couple uh, takeaways from your discussions there. Yeah, absolutely. So the event was uh, a doctoral symposium for PhD students in supply chain management. And uh, it's a group of schools that uh, uh, traditionally have a uh, more of a logistics focus, uh, I guess you could say, to their it's their studies, their research focus, and at least historically that was the case. Um, but a great group, uh, and yeah, it rotates year to year from who hosts it. This year happened to be at Iowa State, and I know I shouldn't talk too many nice things about a Big 12 rival, but a great place, uh, beautiful campus, and just a great group of faculty up there too. A lot of good things going on there in Ames. 
but uh, yeah, we, we met and uh, all the programs bring uh, a number of their doctoral students and uh, the purpose is to really uh, discuss what's on the horizon for them uh, as, as students and then early on in their career as faculty members. So there's a little bit of discussion of uh, you know, research methods and uh, there's some other topics related to building your career. But what we enjoy, at least uh, you know, as a faculty member talking about the most, is just what's going on in the world. What are you seeing? What are you thinking? Uh, what are the types of research questions uh, that you hope to address in the days to come? So. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun to get a chance to interact. We don't have a PhD program at TCU. However, uh, opportunities like this give us the chance to, uh, yeah, engage and uh, just hear uh, what's what's the latest and, and what's got people interested. So, of course, uh, the pandemic and the response like we were discussing earlier came up and uh, what's on the horizon. Uh, how do we address some of the challenges that we're seeing right now with uh, infrastructure, uh, you know, ports, uh, you name it. I mean, just uh, everyone's feeling these effects. And so uh, in supply chain, uh, the, the research side of the supply chain world, uh, yeah, we're looking for ways to uh, maybe address some of this stuff. Love it. Love it. Deeds, not words. Uh, uh, and, and by the way, did you, get any, did you have any local dishes up in uh, Ames, Iowa? Uh, we did eat at a nice restaurant downtown uh, at a nice view, but I'll tell you, the, the best food I had was at this British pub, believe it or not. Uh, I think it was called the Plucky Duck, if I remember correctly. Okay. Uh, a friend of mine knew about it. So I had uh, I had fish and chips in Ames, Iowa. It was pretty darn good, actually. So Hey, it just it, it continues to uh, uh, tell us time and time again, never make assumptions. Never make assumptions. Who would have thunk? Uh, great right. fish and chips in Ames, Iowa. Um, okay, yeah. well, thank you for sharing. And of course, best wishes to Dr. Swink and his family. We look forward to reconnecting with him soon. Um, let's circle back to Ann and Jacob. Uh, Ann, I'll start with you here. Uh, TCU seems to be uh, like one heck of a place to go to school and, and certainly one heck of a place for folks interested in supply chain management. But hey, I want to hear from you. What, what makes uh, TCU such a cool place to, to go to school? Yeah, well, first off, go Frogs always, best school on the planet. <laughs> what I love, especially about TCU, is the school spirit, but also the like group dynamics that people have. So a lot of times in a lot of the classes, we'll have group projects, and you can just tell every student there wants to work really hard, and we all push each other to be our best. But then the teachers really have a hand in our success as well. So they're always giving us help and make, mentoring us and making sure that we're doing our best and providing us with the skills that we need. Throughout my degree at TCU and every class I took here at the Neal School of Business, I feel like I've learned so much that has added to my professional development and my personal development as a student. And I feel really equipped to go off into the real world with presentation skills, Excel skills, essay skills. And so I think just as a whole, not only is it a great place to meet people and to make long lasting relationships, but that you can really tell the professors and the faculty and the administration, they want you to succeed and they truly care about you, which is what really makes it special here. Man. Wow. There's so much to unpack there. Uh, a lot of passion, uh, clearly a big emphasis on communication <laughs> skills, which is timeless, right? It's timeless and universal. Uh, and, and I believe you, I think you're rip rearing, ready to go. And it's going to be really cool to see what y'all do uh, from here and, and, and really just the weeks and months ahead. Um, Jacob, same question. Tell us about why you like uh, TCU as much, especially for folks interested in supply chain management. 
Yeah. So one of the things I really appreciate about TCU is that small school feel. A lot of your classes around 30 to 40 students. So you really get a personal interaction. And Neely School of Business really feels like I'm in, I'm in a big family. And one of the things I really appreciate with the supply chain program is really starting with your junior year, you actually run a cohort class. So all the, the people who are participating in the supply chain degree actually take a one credit course class together. And so you really get to know each other, know some of the faculty, and really go through your whole supply chain degree together. So it really helps with group projects, you get to familiarize yourself with everybody. And then from the faculty standpoint, we have some amazing faculty. They're always willing to help you. A lot of them have great field experience. So they come from the working career. They've taken time to actually spend time with students. And so it's great. They're always ready to meet with you. And something I've also liked is a lot, of, you learn a lot of hard skills in the nearly school business with supply chain, but there's a lot of real world applications. So a lot of times outside businesses, you'll come in and actually do projects with them where you actually get to interact with outside experts and actually test the skills you worked on throughout your supply chain career. So it's really a great ample flexibility about how different, utilizing different skills through communication, interacting and actually practicing those skills. All right. So what I heard Ann and Jacob both say, uh, Travis, is, hey, take that, Iowa State. Uh, right. So tra <laughs> Travis, uh, weigh in on maybe what you heard there. Um, and as a follow up to that, I'd love to get kind of one of your favorite recent moments uh, in the classroom, uh, per se. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that uh, I've enjoyed most about being at TCU is I think what they both brought up, the relatively uh, small class sizes, the uh, personal engagement. Um, not that that's uh, not possible at other schools, but of course, uh, yeah, when you're taking class with 70, 80, 100 other students, it's going to be harder to get to know the faculty. It's hard for the faculty to get to know the students. Here at TCU, uh, yeah, our class sizes tend to be quite a bit smaller than that uh, by design and uh, gives us a chance to get to know uh, the people in our classes, uh, for students to engage uh, with faculty, and uh, just makes for a very rich experience. So um, speaking of those experiences, uh, you know, all the discussions you get to have, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I love these. I get a chance to kind of, uh, you know, peer into the brain and the passions of, of, of bright uh, members of the now generation leaders like Jacob and Ann. Travis, you get to do this all the time. I I'm so jealous. What's, you know, out of all those experiences, those discussions and, and um, you know, inside the classroom, outside the classroom, what's a, a moment, a recent moment that really maybe reminded you of why you do what you do? Gosh, uh, you know, I had a student come by my office, uh, I guess it was last week, and uh, she had uh, asked me to write a letter of recommendation for her. Uh, she was looking for some uh, interns for the summer and uh, internship opportunities, I should say. And uh, yeah, she had, she got uh, ended up with two offers and uh, she just wanted to share that. And she uh, also was asking me for some insights on, you know, uh, how she should, uh, uh, which direction she should go, what opportunities she might want to take. But more than anything, it was just really, uh, it was just so great to, to hear from her about the opportunity that she'd had and, and the fact that she wanted to just share that news with me, having been a very small part in that process. Uh, it's things like that, that uh, uh, yeah, in the midst of grading stacks of papers or uh, writing out exams, it's, you're like, oh, wait, yeah, no, this, this is why I'm here. This is why I really enjoy what I do. Um, so it was, it was a, a very well-timed uh, as we approach finals to uh, be able to step away from uh, 
um, yeah, all the classroom uh, grind Stuff. for just a second. And yeah, and like, wow, this is, you know, um, this, this is why I enjoy what I do. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing, Travis. And I bet, is it fair to say that uh, in your experience that, uh, you know, the students will keep coming back and, and keep checking in and probably find ways of supporting TCU and, and, and maybe even the supply chain management program, huh? Yeah, I've got lunch lined up next week with a student from five or six years ago. Uh, you know, I, I, that tends to happen over the summer. It's one of my favorite things is a chance to uh, just keep up, hear where people are, are where they're going, what they're doing, um, yeah, how their lives have changed over time. I've been invited to, you know, weddings and uh, I get wow. uh, pictures when babies are born. I mean, it's just that's the the, the, the greatest thing about my job is that, uh, yeah, I've played a small part in people's lives and I uh, get to keep up with that over time. It's uh, kind of like Jacob said, the, the family experience and feeling it, it's very, very real and uh, uh, makes makes this uh, yeah, just a, a really rewarding career. So, um, so, yeah. I love that. That's part of stuff that makes my day. I mean, hearing, I mean, uh, really, it, it, it brings uh, such purpose to it. Uh, and family, that's the term. That, that's that's the that's the uh, maybe the, the word of the of the episode here. Uh, circling back to Anne and Jacob, um, pre-show, we were talking about the Renaissance and Eureka moments, you know. And, I, you know, last few years certainly haven't been the Renaissance. But I would argue that, you know, there's always good news if you go looking for it. And it's really, I tell you, there's so much good news and so many great stories of, of um, achievement and innovation, real innovation, right? Action uh, and overcoming obstacles, uh, whether it's products, whether it's some of the omni-channel developments that Ann was speaking to earlier. Hey, uh, the workforce, look at what the global supply chain workforce and beyond, of course, healthcare and many others, look what they've done to keep things moving and where a lot of the population is sitting at home and getting stuff delivered to the doorstep. It is really remarkable if you can kind of step outside of, of the, of the um, you know, what the pandemic has been. So lots of good news. But my question is, what's been a eureka moment for each of you in these last few years? So uh, let's switch up a little bit. Uh, Jacob, I want to start with you. you you're going to be the Otis Nixon today, right? The uh, famous Atlanta Braves uh, leadoff hitter. <laughs> from uh, years ago. So Jacob, what's been a, a good Eureka moment for you in recent years? Oh boy, there's there's been a lot of big Eureka moments, both inside and outside of academia for me. Um, I guess I'd say one of the big Eureka moments for me, I guess would be my junior year, second semester taking my logistics course. And that was the real first supply chain course that I really delved into and really I learned a lot in that class and really challenged me because it, it got aspects of Excel and our some simulations we worked in. And what really interested me most about that class is that I got to see the big picture of supply chain. I got to see what it means to actually deliver goods from point A to point B and where it takes you from the from the beginning point of producing a good to the end point of actually delivering to a consumer. And I got to see that all throughout uh, half of a semester. And so that was something I think was really big for me because most of my time, I thought supply chain was purely just the transportation of goods. I didn't realize the more upstream and downstream aspects of supply chain. For So for me personally, just be able to see that big picture and all the different components that actually go into supply chain really just broadened my perspective of it. I love that. Um, 
uh, Jacob. What a what a great talk about a big eureka moment. And and coming back to you, you know, uh, upstream, downstream, reverse stream, as you alluded to earlier. You know, the, the re economy is uh, billions and billions and billions. I'm not sure the latest uh, 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 market estimation, but that's a great thing too. And of course, supply chain again, reverse logistics and returns processing and, and management. All of that falls under the umbrella, uh, and that's really cool. A lot of cool things going on there. But, Ann, talking Eureka moments, how about you? Yeah, I'd say for me, it's probably more I've had my biggest Eureka moment on like professional development, personal side, going through all the internship and full-time job interviews and applications. Jacob kind of said this earlier, but TCU does a really good job of teaching those hard skills and having the real life applications. But I've learned throughout all the processes that it's the soft skills too that really help you stand out as an applicant. And even going through all those processes, it's really just making about making connections and relationships with people. So maybe you the job wasn't for you or that certain group you wanted to join wasn't for you, but you met people and you built relationships and hopefully in the future you can bring value to them. So my biggest moment I would say Eureka wise was just making sure that I'm bringing value and soft skills to people because in the end it's all about relationship building because people can learn any of those hard skills whenever, but if you can bring positivity, soft skills and charisma and have that relationship with people, it's really gonna make all the difference in the world. So well said, man. Uh, I wish I had your perspective as I was wrapping up college, both of y'all really, because um, relationships, it, they matter so much. And, and, you know, there's, there's all kinds of different layers and levels uh, and it's tough uh, as my uh, dear partner in crime here at supply chain now says, Greg White, it's tough to build a relationship in the middle of a pandemic. You've got to, you've got to be nurturing them in, before you need it. Uh, or as uh, Harvey McKay says, uh, you got to dig your well before you're thirsty which I think is one of my favorite uh, sayings. So well said, Anne, and I love your appreciation for relation, relationships, based, you know, especially where you are in your journey. Uh, but Travis, uh, first, I'll tell you, Jacob and Anne, these savvy individuals, light years ahead. I don't know about you, but light years ahead of where I was. Um, that's got to add to your appreciation for what you do and, and your sense of mission. But what's been a eureka moment for you? Gosh. Um... I think seeing over the last several months or a couple of years, uh, the, the ways in which the pandemic has played out has uh, just reiterated how interconnected everything is uh, globally. Uh, it's something I've, uh, I've always enjoyed about supply chain, uh, especially having lived overseas a few times and having uh, some sense of uh, you know, what happens other places affects us here, but you you lose the appreciation for that over time. You begin to take things for granted, and uh, just to see how uh, events happening half a world away impact what's on my store shelf or the price I pay for something or the availability of of goods and services. Um, it's just a, a a reminder, an important reminder of just the the connectedness of everything. And, and what for me, not just um, you know, the access to the stuff that I want. But it, it reminds me that what we do in this field matters tremendously. And I, I try to impart this to my students every semester uh, where talk about, you know, you're going to be working in industry or for a big company and, and uh, maybe you're crunching away on a computer, maybe you're negotiating contracts, maybe you're making stuff move. And it, at times it's tempted to, tempting to think that, okay, that's really all I'm doing. But it's so very much bigger than that. Uh, what we do in this field 
impacts people's lives in ways we can't even imagine. And it's not clear on the surface. So I try to impart that because it gives us a sense of purpose and uh, of, of, of um, accomplishing something for the greater good. Uh, I think our field really has a lot to offer in that respect that goes overlooked and uh, it makes what we do a, a very rich thing. Jacob, and that just about took my breath away. And I mean that with all sincerity. I mean that uh, Dr. Travis Tokar, hey, every practitioner everywhere, regardless of where they are in their journey, needs to hear that, right? Because we all have those days where maybe, you know, Jacob, you brought up Excel spreadsheets a couple of times. We've all done done battle with Excel spreadsheets where you, you look up and the whole day's gone and you don't, and, and you can lose sight of the impact you're having in the bigger picture. So Travis, amen, well said. And uh, I look forward to sharing that with with our global ecosystem for sure. I should go back up to two quick clarifications. Uh, first off, Iowa State, I'm just picking on you. Hey, no, just messing with you a little while ago. I'm sure you've got great programs. I'm sure we'll hear some for, from some folks in Ames, but it's all, all in good fun. Uh, and then secondly, kind of along the lines of what you're sharing here, Travis, you know, as consumers, you know, as, as we take off our practitioner hat and we, you know, kind of look at things just as consumers, Inexpensive prices, cheap prices, they have repercussions. You know, other things that we want and demand and expect, they have repercussions. You know, in global supply chains right now, as all three of y'all have spoken to, they're fighting through some of the things that consumers expect uh, here in 2022. Um, okay, so I want to, this is one of my favorite parts here, because we get to talk about the really cool things that Ann and Jacob have lined up. They already got it lined up. Uh, I was going in, I, I had a job. Uh, in college, um, I, the Air Force was getting me right after I graduated, actually a couple months after I graduated and, and Jacob. So I didn't get a chance to jump right into the private sector and do some cool things. S spent a lot of great uh, years with um, uh, some dear friends of mine in the Air Force uh, doing some data analysis work. But man, what y'all are doing. So, Ann, let's start with you. You're jumping right out uh, uh, and, and starting a new role with Dell Technologies. Tell us what you're going to be doing. Yeah, so I'm joining Dell Technologies in Austin, Texas in their supply chain development program. So I'm going to do a three rotation between operations, logistics and procurement, and I'll get my placement within the next few weeks. But right now I'm going in as a product analyst. and I'm really excited just to get to learn and grow at Dell. That is wonderful. I've heard a lot of good things. You know, we, we've managed to interview some folks from Dell over the years, and they all to a person speak about the culture there at, uh, at Dell and, and the, have you already gotten kind of a, a sense of that through your, your uh, conversations? Yes. It's a very people oriented culture, which I love. And everyone just wants to, like I said earlier, build relations with each other and everyone pushes each other to be their best and work their hardest, which I really enjoy. And I've already met a lot of the Dell team and love them and know I'm going to have some great relationships with them and they're going to push me to be the best I can be. I'm very excited. Wonderful. We're big fans. As I look around my, my home studio, I've got about 18 Dell products. So we're big fans of that company. So I look forward. It sounds like they're getting a, a dynamic addition to the team. So uh, we look forward to maybe getting an update from you a few months down the road. Um, Jacob, uh, tell us about what you've got on tap with uh, Frito-Lay North America. Yeah. So I'll be working for Frito-Lay North America headquartered in Plano, Texas. I'll be starting here in July and I'm still waiting to hear on my placement, but um, hopefully it's either in the product supply or logistics transportation department. And I've actually had the opportunity to intern with them for the previous summer in their product supply 
field, and that was very interesting to me. Okay, so you already kind of have uh, taken a, a kind of a, a look under the hood, so to speak, huh? Yeah. Um, well, so it's interesting as both of y'all share. Uh, you you kind of already got your next steps lined out, and you're still kind of figuring out, or you're still waiting maybe to figure out some of the specifics. Uh, Travis, I want to bring you in. And, and by the way, Jacob, congrats. Um, Free Delay is going to get clearly a, a, a bright, uh, capable member of the Now Generation. That's outstanding. Uh, Travis, as as I was touching on a second ago, as the specifics of the roles are still kind of materializing, is this pretty common uh, for how companies recruit from college campuses these days where they kind of you know, look to secure the relationship and uh, a little tip of the hat to you with the students, um, kind of get them, you know, part of the organization and then kind of define where they want to be uh, kind of after they get started? I think it's a mixed, uh, I think it's a mixed bag. I think you see some companies uh, like Ann and, and Jacob have experienced to say, uh, you know, Hey, we can clearly see you are talented. We want you part of our team. Uh, we have several opportunities that could be materializing. Let's see where you fit best. Uh, and then there's others that come in with the very defined role and say, uh, you know, this is the this is the role, this is the location, uh, and uh, they're looking for somebody who fits that. So uh, yeah, it, it can work both ways. So um, so Anne, one additional for you and Jacob, one additional follow up question. You know, we've kind of talked about what your next steps are with who, uh, 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 an idea of what you're going to be doing, but if you were to you know, kind of just look at industry as a whole, kind of what we were talking about a second ago. Is there uh, one aspect of impact or change or something you want to tackle in the industry? If so, tell us what it is and, and why it appeals to you. Mm -hmm. I think for sure in my career, I definitely want to be able to have communication internationally. So working with international teams, maybe that's talking with international suppliers, making sure that they're getting all their products and just working cross-functionally with different stakeholders. That's pretty much my goal, tying my global business in there with that degree. Um, yeah, just my one of my things I really want to do in industry is get to work in that international and have a hand in maybe moving around and living in new places and getting to work with those teams. Love it. I love it. I bet you get the opportunity to do just that. Uh, and you're going to have to report back all your new food finds, uh, Anne, as you make your travels. Okay, that's the deal. Um, all right, Absolutely. Jacob, same question. <laughs> all right, it's a deal. So, Jacob, same question for you. Uh, is there something specific in industry you want to do and why? Yeah, so my answer is very similar to Anne's, as I had the opportunity to study abroad after my freshman year right before COVID hit in London. And that was just a phenomenal experience for me. Ever since then, it's really piqued my interest to have some my feet uh, wet in the global supply chain aspect. And one of those areas is just making sure we can get cost-effective products out to individuals around the world. So I've seen the real big impact of globalization and help improve people's standard of living. And so that's something I hope to bring and impart to other parts of the world is just consumer products that we enjoy here in the United States at a low effective cost and bring that to other countries to people and to enjoy. Wonderful, uh, Jacob. That total total landed cost sounds like it's going to be a regular part of your future. Uh, Travis, you got to love what you hear here. Um, uh, passion, uh, drive, uh, impact. Uh, some of the some of the themes I'm hearing. Um, touch on that. What would you hear between what Ann and Jacob both shared? Yeah, I think the uh, the global focus uh, is appealing uh, to a lot of students. Uh, 
particularly in the impact that you can have on, on the quality of life of people around the world. I think that we all recognize that uh, we've been very blessed here in the United States with an incredible standard of living uh, that is not the norm historically. I mean, if you think back, uh, it's only in the last uh, you know, 100, 150 years or so that uh, lives have been this long, lives have been this rich and comfortable. Uh, that didn't happen by accident. Uh, and a lot of systems went into place to helping to bring that about. So I find a lot of students wanting to find ways to uh, help spread that to other places that aren't so fortunate, that don't have access to the things that we do. And uh, so yeah, to Jacob's point in supply chain, uh, what we do matters, like we were talking about earlier, and uh, the access that we create to goods and services at more and more affordable prices absolutely can change the quality of life for people that uh, otherwise uh, yeah wouldn't wouldn't be in such a great shape so um, to the extent that uh, um, we're able to provide avenues for students to uh, yeah, link what they do to those types of effects or help them to see that you know, like on a day-to-day -day basis you may not recognize it but the things that you're doing contribute to that um, I think it really just uh, uh, resonates and uh, then students in their awesome creativeness, go and find ways to engage in that even deeper and even further. Yes, uh, completely agree. And I love um, uh, uh, so many of folks that are entering the workforce now are asking the question, why? And, you know, the five whys, if you ever heard of that, you know, it, it, it's driving so much change and good change. And, and you know, as really all three of you all touched on, uh, the, the global supply chain profession is in a unique position to do something about so many of the issues of our day. And, and it comes with a serious charge and responsibility to do just that deeds, not words. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. So as we start to wrap here, uh, Dr. Travis Tokar, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, I know you've got a crystal ball around there. It's a lot more accurate than mm -hmm. mine. Uh, what's one thing, uh, that maybe our listeners can expect from a supply chain perspective or global business perspective in the second half of 2022 and beyond? My gosh. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't even know where to begin because uh, I think I've had some, some real successes in making some calls as of late, and I've had some major whiffs as well. So uh, I hesitate to go on record saying much of anything. But, uh, you know, I, I'm looking at the, the landscape right now, uh, seeing, I think Anne alluded to earlier, um, some of the, the global conflicts that are taking place. And, um, various uh, struggles uh, in, with infrastructure, with shipping, um, with manufacturing, like the computer chip shortage and things. I, I'm a bit uh, pessimistic that the, the, the worst of things is behind us in terms of uh, shortages and in terms of uh, price increases. I, I think that uh, uh, we're going to continue to see that persist for a little while. Um, not to say that certain things might not get better here and there, but there's still challenges to be solved. And uh, um, so, yeah, I, I think that this next year we're going to continue to see a lot of what we've been dealing with already. And uh, and hopefully, uh, yeah, those begin to kind of wane. Uh, but I think it's going to be slower than we'd all like to see happen. Mm. Well said. Uh, I, I generally agree with you as well. Um, we still got some... Um, some tough, tough hurdles to get through to, to get firmly entrenched for my take uh, in the post-pandemic environment. And of course, it's important that we all get there together and uh, we learn as much 
the good lessons and the bad lessons uh, that the last few years has taught us, not just as a global profession, but as frankly, as humanity, right? Uh, and I'm hoping some of those lessons stick for a very long time. Um, all right. So Ann and Jacob and Travis, a delightful conversation. I really, uh, these types of conversations are energizing. Uh, if our listeners are anything like me, it gets, gets them ready to run through like the walls behind us here. Uh, this is, this is, this is why we do this. So, uh, Ann, I'll start with you. Uh, tell us, you know, for folks that want to learn more and, and hear more of your take on, on all things supply chain, then some, how can listeners connect with you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're more than welcome to feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. It's just look me up my name, Ann O'Connor. I should come up under TCU and I'd be happy to talk to anyone about anything. Wonderful, wonderful. And we look forward to hearing about your next steps with uh, our friends at Dale. And uh, Jacob, how about you? Yeah, so you can connect with me on LinkedIn. It's just my name, Jacob Mutcher, and I'll feel free to talk to you about any more of these topics. It's just that easy. Jacob Mutcher, the pride of Midland, Michigan, and Ann O'Connor, the pride of Newport Beach, California. Uh, it's been a pleasure connecting with both of y'all. Uh, I'm looking forward to kind of following uh, news as you uh, begin your careers in earnest. Not taking anything away from what you've been doing as you've been matriculating through TCU. I know both of y'all have been really active uh, in the community and, and uh, the landscape there. But uh, looking forward to next steps. Um, all right. So, Dr. Travis Tokar, uh, how can folks connect with you and TCU? Yeah, uh, LinkedIn is a good way. I'm, I'm not the most uh, active LinkedIn user, but I certainly do get the messages and uh, we'll see anything that comes through. Uh, the best way to reach me is just my TCU email, travis.tokar at tcu.edu. Wonderful. It is just that easy. Well, this has been, again, a I uh, really appreciate y'all's time. A fun conversation, informative, inspiring in many respects. And I appreciate all three of y'all for joining us. So uh, again, Ann C. O'Connor, uh, uh, soon to be with Dell. Thanks for your time, Ann. Thank you for having me. You bet. Uh, and then uh, Jacob Mutcher, soon to be with Frito-Lay North America. Thanks for your time here today. Yep. Thank you for having me. You bet. And hey, uh, Travis, again, really appreciate what you and your fellow faculty members do to, to, to I mean, this is in many ways not taking anything away from uh, Ann and Jacob. But man, this is this is like the product of of y'all's talent factory uh, there in Fort Worth. So uh, I'm sure you take great pride in that and a pleasure to have you with us here today. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think thank you for the opportunity. I've really enjoyed the conversation. And particularly showcasing, yeah, our amazing talent that uh, comes out of our program. It's the name of the game, and it's going to be changing the game. So thanks so much, uh, Travis. Listeners, hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. Inspiring, really inspiring, informative, innovative. Uh, it's got to make you feel really good about not just the future of supply chain. But again, this is the now generation. These folks are already making an impact, a, a strong impact on global business. Uh, on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, uh, this is Scott Luton challenging all of our listeners. Hey, do good, give forward, and be the change. With that said, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.